I lean back. I lean back. Nick's lean leaning back because he's back. chewing on an apple. Uh, this is episode 107 of the Big Planet Comics podcast. <laughs> what? Uh, I like the sound effect on the other one. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm Nick. I'm Jared. And we're here to give you all the news, reviews, and clues. Clues about... Blues uh, clues. Blues clues about the ending of Lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so join us in the bunker. In the bunker. Is that what it was called? The Hatch. The join hatch. us in the Hatch, our new Lost podcast. Not um, Richard Hatch. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so... Um, this is episode 107. We just finished up an interview with Box Brown, uh, which we'll have posted the day hopefully before you've this. Heard already. Yeah, so hopefully you guys have heard it if you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Mm, which you should. Yeah, give us reviews. Give us um, give us good reviews. reviews. Give us blues clues. Uh, yeah, so what, before we get into it, you guys, before, getting, we, get before we get into the most comprehensive comics podcast <laughs> on the internet, what have you guys been up to? Uh, I think Nick should start because he's got the saddest stories of all. Oh, tell no, me I've, just, I've been really sick. Um, as you can tell, my voice is cracking. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just started cracking today. Earlier, I went into the van store and, and Kevin's like, how's it going? I'm like, ah, how are you? <laughs> and then I made him sing that song that uh, Peter sings on the Brady Bunch. Or maybe it was Bobby. I don't know. Uh, like the awkward teenager from Simpsons. Oh, sir. <laughs> um <clears throat> But in your sickness. But yeah, I've been sick, and uh, so the the best part of it was uh, I wasn't I had a fever like Friday night into Saturday, and when I finally started coming out of the fever, or kind of still in it, I was like, I'm gonna watch True Detective. <laughs> I've been meaning to watch it, and so I watched all eight episodes wow. back to back, half feverish, laying in bed, and it was great. That's awesome. such a good show. I was I, I was texting it. with Nick. I'm like, you're gonna go more insane than every other person who's watched that show. Yeah, halfway through, I felt like I was tripping. <laughs> I felt like I was seeing like the things that uh, that uh, what is his name? Rust. Rust was seeing. Yeah, he was just seeing like lines and birds moving in the spirals. And that show was so good. Yeah, it was great. So good. You gotta watch it, Jared. I know. I don't have the HBO. I'm working on it. Spoiler: The killer is a bad guy. What? <laughs> oh, a bad guy. Dang it. Um. Well, that's cool. Ruined. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. What about you, Jared? What have you been up to? Uh, covering Nick shifts a couple of times. True, which true. Which made me really tired. But I did manage to sneak up to Baltimore to visit my friend Shannon and went to a really good restaurant and then went to a delicious ice cream place. And that was it. That was my Baltimore trip. Cool. Well, I got I got big news I can announce. Oh, yeah. finally. What, 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 what? Well, uh, Boom finally announced uh, my comic that's coming out. Airhorn, airhorn, airhorn. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've got a comic in. Uh, so there's a thing called Bravest Warriors, which I, I imagine some of the people listening to this have heard seen before. It's a cartoon that's on YouTube, and, a comic and uh, Boom does a comic of it. And uh, one of the characters, Impossible Bear, is getting his own special this summer. And I have a comic in there. Hooray! Yeah, that I wrote and was drawn by Paulina Ganeshow, who draws uh, all of our podcast pictures. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. And uh, yeah, so that's coming out. And I'm pretty excited about that. I'm in a comic with like people like Kate Leth and Jeremy Cerise and like a bunch of other cool people. So crazy, yeah. So we're gonna have a signing with uh, Kevin Panetta at the Big Planet Comic Store in Vienna. He'll be there all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then yeah. And then I'll have a couple more things to announce hopefully pretty soon as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. Sweet. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh. Besides that, I've been playing a lot of Titanfall. I hear um, that's really good. And I've been um. I watched ten episodes of How I Met Your Mother on Monday. Nice. So, guys, I'm still just a normal person. I've I've been wa- I've, <laughs> I've, I've I've watched all of this season. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, it's uh, okay. It's okay. Aren't they starting How I Met Your Father? I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, it was kind of uh, 
I, I forgot that like binge watching a just okay TV show is kind of relaxing and fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's nice good to fun. veg with. It's nice. Yeah, uh, and that's about it. Mostly, my thing that I have a comic coming out is pretty exciting. That's, that's pretty awesome. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, also, I want to say that I did see the Veronica Mars movie. I did no, as well. No. Did you? Yeah, oh, it was great. I got right? it on video on demand. You liked it? Yes, that yeah, was really. It good. was like uh, it was like watching two episodes of Veronica Mars. Like two, <laughs> yeah, two like epic episodes of Veronica really? Mars. They kind of. It, the the weirdest thing about it is that it kind of built up. It felt like a season premiere. Like it built up a bunch of storylines that could go into another movie. Oh, really? Which Good. would be great. Yeah, so. yeah. So watch the Veronica Mars movie. Yeah. Rob Thomas from Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> watch all of <laughs> all of Veronica Mars if you can. Yep. If you haven't. Hey, yep. That's the important thing, guys. If you take anything away from this podcast, watch all of Veronica Mars. Yep, it's yep. true. Even season three, Even I season guess. Season three, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, all right. Just to get to the kicker, the end of season three. All right. Well, uh, you guys want to do some news? Sure. Let's do it. Our boys over the Pacific. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this just in. Hitler falls. <laughs> <laughs> down a flight of stairs. VE Europe Day for the slippery banana peel. And then an elephant poops on his head. <laughs> All right. Oh, so. we'll, we'll come back to that when we do a review later. Another today. less interesting news. Uh, but awesome, awesome news. Tiny Titans Returns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, comics. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was from, uh, I think, Newsarama. But they were talking about how uh, in June um, they're doing Return of the Treehouse, which is a... Uh, Titan Titans miniseries, so they're coming back for six issues, which is pretty cool. Which is good because the others, like Itty Bitty Hellboy, was cute and stuff. But I don't know, Tiny Titans is and uh, Superman Family Adventures was good. Right. Yep. But I feel like Tiny Titans was really the, the best thing these guys right. yeah. have done. Yeah. Um and uh, and this is the most important piece of news here. Um, uh, watch Veronica Mars, <laughs> even season three. Scott Lobdell is back on Red Hood and the Outlaws. Yeah, I'm not doing the thing. You can't. Uh, no. uh, if you remember, he he was the one of the ones that he was the one that launched Red Hood and the Outlaws, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's back. He's back in charge. Um, you know, because you know, it's a good it's a good decision. Um, Big news there: Red Hood and the Outlaws is still coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Scott Lobdell's back in on on title. Which is we, why I thought he was gone. Which is why he was probably so uh, laissez-faire about uh, being fired or taken off of Superman. Yeah, he's like yeah. the mob in uh, in uh, Godfather. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the yep. Once you he cuts pull, off horses' heads, pull him out. Oh. you get him back in again. So I believe like is the famous quote. You're right. <laughs> Nailed. That's exactly it. Um, yeah, he's also writing some other thing. But anyway, uh, that sounds great. One, one more piece of news that I didn't actually write on here. Um, DC announced they're doing. Uh, a new series by Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen. Didn't we talk about that last week? Did we talk about it? Yeah. Did we? I don't know. We talked about how it was in the Jack Kirby style and that he, they had done OMAC like that before. Did we talk about it? Yeah. No. Oh. Man, I can't I don't remember. Isn't it called like Nobody Men and the Tomorrow I, People? I, Infinity Man and the something people. Yeah. 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 We already talked about that. Right. We're going to cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that all the news? Yeah. There was some, I mean, this week was pretty, pretty whack. Um, I mean, another thing is... Uh, Marvel put out our younger listeners. Whack means bad. Yeah, yeah. Marvel put out some um, kind of uh, storyboards or uh, I don't know drawings from uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, All right. like uh, concept drawings. Um, and you see, you got a concept drawing of uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Was that in, in this weird thing that came on TV last night? Yeah, I didn't yep. see it, but I saw like you know it was called like Marvel of assembling a universe. Yeah, something like that. which is yeah. so weird that they're like teasing. Let's Quicksilver like that. But Qu- Quicksilver looks a lot cooler than the uh, 
than the X-Men, the version, X-Men of version of Quicksilver. And Scarlet Witch looks pretty cool. Doesn't that, doesn't the X-Men version of Quicksilver look like a reject from like Jet Set Radio or something like that? Yeah. yeah. It looks wow. Like pretty cool. Um, yeah. For our younger listeners, Jet Set Radio was a video game that was on the Dreamcast. <laughs> What's the, the Dreamcast? Ex- oh, boy. For our younger listeners, the Dreamcast was a system put out by Sega and in 1999. For our younger readers, Sega was a company <laughs> that used to put out systems, <laughs> video game systems, much like an Xbox or a PlayStation. Yeah, oh. um, and Xbox, for our younger listeners, <laughs> Xbox and PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. All right. <laughs> for our, for our <laughs> one-year-olds. Um, and if you're one years old, hey, check out that Box Brown interview we did. <laughs> and happy <laughs> birthday. And happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> All right, uh, so that is it for news this week. If you guys have news, you can send those to podcast at bigplanetcomics.com. What if people have scoops? I'm going to I one year old's birthday this week. Are, Are you? you? Yeah. Well, he was probably going to tell him about Xbox One. Tell him. Yeah, he's probably going to want an Xbox One. Hey, get, uh, tell him about Shenmue. Shenmue. <laughs> I'll tell him about Sonic the Hedgehog. He'll be like, That'd be awesome. He'll I, know. Is he, he's like, you mean the one on Wii? <laughs> I, got like, a, I got a scoop. What's the scoop? Scoops. We, we got a new signing coming up at Big Planet Comics. Oh, yeah. Tell us about all the signings. Well, uh, coming up on Sunday, April 6th, Curtis Weeb and Rock Up Church, who do Rat Queens, are signing at our College Park store. Uh, then our brand new announced signing, April 26th, Saturday, we are having a Lumberjane signing, which is the totally awesome new Boom comic about a group of young girls who go to a camp and end up fighting monsters. Yep. Uh, touted as a cross between Gravity Falls and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sold and sold. Uh, so we will be having the series artist, uh, the awesome Brooke Allen there. My roommate. Also, Kevin's roommate, roommate, conveniently enough, and uh, hopefully one of the co-writers, Grace Ellis. And we may have more announcements about that coming up soon. She may be staying at my house, from what I understand. Quite possibly. (laughs) Uh, Then Wednesday, May 7th, uh, Becky Cloonan and Sean Simon for True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys and Becky's By Chance or Providence book at our Vienna store. And as mentioned in our Box Brown interview, which you should have listened to, Saturday, May 29th, Box Brown and Pat Olicio are coming for Andre the Giant Life and Legend in D.C. store. So that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have a f- some fun stuff at that box brown signing. We got schemes. Yep. So uh, so get excited. I'm excited. Yep. And uh, I'm excited to meet Andre the Giant. Yeah, he's Me gonna too. be here. <laughs> Hopefully, get a picture with him. Yep. An Andre the Giant impersonator who oddly is only five eleven. <laughs> um, it's Jared. Uh, it's Jared. <laughs> I wish I was five eleven. Oh boy. Jared, uh, Jared the I'll Giant. I wore like heeled boots. Some, some my wrestling boots. Some platforms. Uh, just stand on a platform. Um. Yeah, so that that is it for news. Let's do some reviews. Yeah, yeah. Come, come out to our signings and stuff, guys. Send us scoops. Yep, let's do it. Oh wait, that's the wrong one. Wait, what? Do, do we not have any questions? This no, week? we have no questions. Okay, we don't have any questions. Uh, let's. All my questions are for Box Brown. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait. Oh yeah. Somebody sent in a question. Jared asks, um, "Who was the person you were most excited to interview about Andre the Giant? Uh, who else do you wish you could have interviewed?" Uh, Mandy Patankin was I, pretty cool. I wish I could have interviewed Hulk Hogan. Actually, you didn't ask that question, so hey, little inside baseball. All right, yep. let's do some reviews. <laughs> we love comics, they're swell, except when they're written by Scott Lovedell. I prefer important books like Louis Riel. It's time for reviews. All right, up first this week, we have a graphic novel that is m- being made into a movie that, or that a movie is based on. Uh, have we figured this out yet? Daredevil. What? Daredevil? No, this is Noah. This is a, a new graphic novel written by Darren Aronofsky, uh, who is the director of the film Noah and also directed um, uh, the, the Wrestler. The Wrestler? Which is if Black you like Swan. the movie The Wrestler, hey, it all listen together. to our Box Brown interview. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, yeah, he did Life of Pi. No, he did not the do Life, Life of, of Pi. Pi. <laughs> 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 Uh, it's about that guy that's obsessed with math and tigers and um, boats. Yeah, he did the fountain. 
yep. and Black Swan. Yep. Which is a good movie. If you guys haven't seen Black Swan, listen to our Box Brown interview. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so have we figured. Oh, and the art in this is by Nico Onrichon, yes. Nico who Onrichon. was the artist on the graphic novel Barnum. And also drew Pride of Baghdad mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of other really stuff. Other he's, he's really, really good. So, have we? Is the movie? Is this graphic novel the movie? Well, we don't um, know. Here's the thing. <laughs> so, like when the Fountain graphic novel came out, it um, was an alternate script, right? It was. It was like yeah, the original draft of the script. I so, believe it went that they th- gave up on the Fountain being made, and so he said, "I'll take the script and turn it into a graphic novel." And then it got financed, and so they said, "Let's do a movie," and it was different than the original graphic so novel. So, I, th- I think this one's pretty close to this to the actual movie but i don't know um i hope it's exactly like this because this was awesome it was bananas so um you know i guess everybody knows the story of noah no they don't yeah well not like what this. about our younger readers not like this <laughs> yeah our younger readers who have not yet uh, been indoctr- <laughs> no. indoctrinated in the church <laughs> noah was a dude from six thousand years ago he was a dude he, you know he, he believed in god and then he and god talked to him uh, and he built an ark. Uh, well, readers, God told him that he was going to flood the earth and kill everybody because all the people on earth were bad. And he had to save all the animals. Um, it's like a Disney film. This is basically that, but with um, flaming angels that get turned into six-armed giants. Uh, and, uh, and prehistoric Prehistoric beasts. monster dinosaur um, creatures. And yeah. way sort of semi-technological things. There's a scene at the Tower of Babel, Babel which is awesome. Uh, Tower, of ba- Tower of Babel looks like a, a slum from uh, District uh, <laughs> District Nine. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, this book was great. Um, I I don't even know where to start. Um, so it's the basic story. Of Noah um, Noah lives with his family, and he starts having these visions about a, a flood coming to kill everybody. And um, it starts off with him finding a bunch of humans killing all these uh, animals, basically animals that are kind of rhino hairy rhino type creatures and um they you see the brutality of man and and he goes to meet their leader and he's he's kind of like this evil there's also some modern commentary that they're killing these animals for the food but also to take their horns oh yeah they weren't killing them for food they were just taking their horns because yeah, so they like thought they kind gave of like them, uh, magical powers kind of like killing rhinos or elephants these days and right yeah there's a little bit of that and then um it's it's interesting because this is just as much about his family as as it is about the you know the event the biblical event. Because yeah, um, he's descended from this line of kind of prophets who are descended from Adam, who for our younger readers was the first man on Earth. Uh, kind of these almost like uh, immortal beings. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're they're like he goes into the town of of Babel and everyone's like it's the mage, you know. So he definitely has this kind of reputation as being this weird magical prophet guy. Right. Um, and despite his warnings that you know they should prepare to have the world destroyed or that, you know, they need to change their ways. Of course, no one listens to him. There's kind of a warlord who runs the city and just goes around, you know, killing everybody. Uh, and so he eventually gets the vision that he should build a gigantic ship uh, and all the animals will come and be saved in it in sets of uh, a breeding pair of animals of every type. Right. So there's a really cool scene where uh, all the birds show up and then all the, the reptiles show up and then all the mammals. And so you get to see... A, eventually the insects. Yeah, Nico Henrichon doing just, like, amazing designs of kind of prehistoric versions of all the animals you know yeah and there's some like cool ideas where the uh, noah's like um telling his son you know you take care of the birds um just put them to sleep so you know yeah, they like just a magic have a restful journey powder or something and so they basically yeah like fill this this uh bucket with uh this liquid and set it on fire and it kind of makes a smoke that 
calms all the animals and yeah and this is <clears> all <throat> basically then, in the story the standard story of noah from the bible and, and then it veers no- off with the uh, the giants right because there's um so noah is uh trying to, to go see his father who's you know kind of this ancient almost like guru type yeah. character lives up on the mountain he lives on a mountain on ararat mountain and um on the way there they have to go through this territory that's ruled by these ancient giant beings it's a forbidden zone who you find out right who you find out are actually like you know um fallen angels who came to earth and were kind of left there by god and became these giant six-armed beings yeah um and uh it's interesting he becomes he becomes friends he befriends the giants and convinces them that he's actually getting this you know info from from the creator um and they they kind of help him build the ark and protect it from the armies of man. And there's yeah. an epic battle with like men trying to take the ark and these giants. And then there's and whenever the yeah. gi- one of the giants is killed, they they turn into a flaming angel and go to heaven. It's pretty crazy. It's yeah. It's so this so is, epic. This is a much more epic fantasy action adventure thing than I possibly imagined. All the the trailers they've shown for the film have been very toned down right. dramas straight out of the the biblical epic. And I like that side, it's not so. it's not really preachy. Um that's true. I mean in this they don't never use the word god. They always call just call him the creator. Um and Noah is a terrible person uh in this. He's not he's not a really good person. Um he tries to kill babies. Um there's yeah, a whole there's some there's interesting whole ethical where, choices right. about why should they should they actually save the earth for humanity or should they merely save all these animals and then let humanity die out because clearly they were unworthy of the planet which i thought was another yeah, it's like, uh, interesting fam- ecological slash ethical theme his family's not sure if he's like actually hearing the voice of god or he's just insane because he's like um it's more like you know he's like god is doing this because we he doesn't want man to live anymore so we're not going to reproduce any of us, and uh, you can't have a wife, uh, and you're pregnant. If you have a female, uh, I'm going to kill it. Yeah, it's like he's like. Well, I think it's, almost it's like more really that he's evil. this guy under these huge stresses, and it's like he's trying to interpret visions. Right. So he's like, does that mean I should do this, or does that mean I should do that? So I think they're obviously like this guy's something is telling him what to do, just not in a clear way. Yeah, but he's so. like also like kind of like unhinged. It's like really. But anyway, the the theme of all this is this book is awesome. Uh, it is way That's cooler than I thought. Uh, Nico Onrichal just blows everything out of the water. Uh, yeah. He's definitely a good choice for this book. And um, if the movie is anything like this, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see it. Yes. So. And that is Noah. No. Yep. All right. Up next, we've got Iron Man number twenty three. <laughs> this is what comics are. Uh, this yes, is also from the Bible. Forward. This is from the Bible as well. Uh, it's the story of uh, Tony, the Book of Stark. The Book of Yep. Sure. Uh, no, this is written by Kieran Gillen. Uh, who played Amy Pond in Doctor Who. And, uh, no, Kieran Gillen writes um, Young Avengers, Phonogram. What's that new book called? Uh, if nobody... Sacred and the Divine? Yes. Oculus? Boom. Um, and then, yep, Kieran Gillen, the inventor of the Oculus Rift. And this is drawn by Luke Ross, who's been drawing Iron Man, right? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this no, is... Uh, oh, okay. He was drawing Secret Avengers, I think. So this is this is number 23, but this is one of those Marvel things where they put a number one on it because it's the beginning of a new storyline. Right. And this one is called Rings of the Mandarin. Uh, the Iron Man kind of got away from me a little bit right. in the last two storylines. I've been reading it all. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But uh, I thought that this was pretty interesting. It starts off with uh, Malekith, who I g- is the bad guy from the last Thor movie. Right, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he's an evil elf. He is a dark elf, and basically uh, he has this ring that is one of the Mandarin's uh, rings. 
And then we find out that these rings have been uh, spread across to different people who hate Tony Stark. Right. Like kind of the lantern rings from Green Lantern? Uh, sort of, but not exactly. They're like mm-hmm. kind of more like the mm-hmm. like lesser versions of the Infinity Gauntlet. Sort of. They're like, yeah, they're like sentient rings, uh, and they, they, they're from outer space, and they want to kill Tony Stark, and they don't care who they use to do it. And uh, so in this, uh, we, we're introduced to the Lightning Conductor, who is a it's guy awesome. that was hired by Tony Stark's company to produce a musical about Tony Stark called The Man in the Iron Mask, the <laughs> Tony Stark story. But uh, his vision got changed uh, due to corporate interests, and uh, now he wants revenge on Tony Stark, and he's going to shoot electricity at him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's the basic start of it, and then, so now the uh, Malekith has gotten one of the rings, and he's like, I want all of them, so he's just going around killing all these different people that have gotten the, the rings and uh, collecting them, basically, I guess, to become the new Mandarin, I guess. Yeah, so, uh, and that's that's basically most of what happens in this first issue. I thought it was a good introduction to a new story. I actually enjoyed it. Um, do you guys like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, it it kind of gets you up to date on kind of a, uh, where Iron Man is right now. Yeah, I did not know Iron Man had a brother, by the way. Right. That was yeah. the last storyline. He has a stepbrother. And really his name's cool. Arno? Yep. Yeah. So, like, Arno Man? Huh? Arno Man? <laughs> I don't know. It's Arno Stark? Well, Arno, Arno Stark is also the uh, that future Iron Man, like Iron Man from 2020 uh, or whatever. Oh, yeah. 2012 or... No, it was 2020, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you Who's rearrange kind of the letters in Arno... It spells Nora Jones. It spells Iron. It spells Iron. <laughs> uh, it spells, it spells Aaron. Uh, Aaron. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, but I thought this was good. I like I said, uh, I was kind of got Iron Iron Man got lost in the shuffle a little bit with me. Yeah. And I feel like it's uh, maybe getting back on track. A I bit. actually really like the brother storyline, the one that Arno was introduced in. This one was a little weird for me because like the Marvel universe is so vast that sometimes parts of it don't fit together very well or. They seem like they wouldn't, so this is one of those high-tech crossing with magic, I guess, like all the Marvel Universe. But a lot of the book is about how, like, magic is just science that we don't understand. Right. So I thought that eventually, like, by the end of the book was doing – of this issue was doing pretty well. It felt like in the middle it was kind of chunky or clunky trying to get them together. I don't know if it's just, like, there was a lot of, like – Oh, not quite techno babble, but there was a little bit of explaining. They're like trying two, to figure out what was going on. They're like two dense pages of techno yes. babble, and, that, and that kind of threw me off yeah, a yeah. little bit. So I, that was a bit rough. I I will say I prefer that at the in the middle of the book to at the, the beginning front. of the book. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. at least at, the, at that point it was something. like yeah. yeah, I was like in in there a little bit, and I, I'm used to that a little more than just like these text chunks at the beginning. But yep. uh, yeah, but I still thought it was fun. Yeah. Uh, all right, up next. Although that poor girl, her little weird goggles were awful. Oh, but she had cool her the side of her head was shaved, so she looks cool. She was a cool girl. Um, <laughs> all right, up next we've got uh, what? What are we going to do next here? Uh, let's do Uncanny X Men number nineteen. Are we going to talk right. about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is another beginning of a new storyline, uh, which is Shield versus the Uncanny X Men. It's got another big number one on the cover. Yep. Uh, and uh, this is written by Brian Michael Bendis, who wrote uh, Goldfish. And uh, drawn by Chris Bacalo, who uh, who was the artist for Shade the Changing Man, uh, <laughs> and he drew the Witching Hour and Crimson and Crimson. No, Crimson was Umberto <laughs> yeah, Ramos. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so this is basically the stuff in Uncanny X Men has been leading up to this. Um, uh, Cyclops is becoming. Uh, there are these new sentinels that have been popping up everywhere, and Cyclops thinks uh, every, Nick. Everybody can hear you eating that apple, even when you can. You hear me? <laughs> uh, and and Cyclops thinks that Shield is responsible for that, and and tensions have been rising, and now things are coming to a head. 
Uh, so basically, the hook into this is that a new mutant got kicked out of the Uncanny X-Men for um, basically betraying them. And so he's immediately snapped up by S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're basically interrogating him to find out what the X-Men are up to. And then the bad guys have captured Dazzler, the ever-awesome mutant who was a disco queen back in the day. And uh, these two storylines are kind of like running in the background uh, while the X-Men are running around trying to find mutants. And they walk into a trap where there is crazy new sentinel powers. Um, yeah. That's pretty so, much it. Yeah, it's so a lot that's of basically the that. first issue of tying all these things together. And by the end of it, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and X-Men don't like each other. Uh, one, of my, one of the things I really liked about this was uh, I thought Chris Bacalo's um, uh, page layouts Those and layouts. stuff were really yep. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. He manages to fit a lot in there, but make it not seem crowded at the same time. And during the action scenes, it, it has this kind of more dynamic look to it. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was, uh, I thought that aspect of it was really cool. Yeah, it's really fun. I've been, if you've been re- liking this, you know, it's, it builds up. And, yeah, and if you haven't been reading it, and which I have not, uh, you can just jump in and read this. There's yeah, a lot of jokes about feel, ball, balls in it. Yeah, I didn't feel like this was the best entry point. Like, there's definitely some, like, who are these people? You know, there's a little bit of, like, you got to know enough of the X-Men to jump into here. There's a little deep X-Men knowledge, but even with that, they had some pretty interesting characters, I think, to drag you in. Like, I think the the young kid uh, who had been out of the X-Men, David, I thought he was a really kind of good hook to be, like, an outsider, like, caught in up over his head. Uh, and then there's some cool stuff with the X-Men kicking some butt in the middle. Yeah, I think X-Men so, in general can be a little bit impenetrable. Yeah, um, it's hard to find a good jumping on point for X-Men. Like this Wolverine and the X-Men number one that came out that we yeah, talked that about was just recently. It was like... Ongoing. It was like... So much changes all the time in X Men, and right. it's all building off crazy things that involve and they like, have clones such, and such other a dimensions. Huge, <laughs> huge cast and history. Yeah, yeah, it's like I, it's like yeah. Hopefully, you know who these uh, four out of our two hundred characters yep. are. But uh, yeah, I still I thought it was pretty good. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got The Witcher number one. Witcher. Uh, this is written by Paul Tobin and art by Joe Cario. So is Paul Tobin, the guy who wrote with works with Colleen Coover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's done Bandette and uh, what's the other one he did? Girl, Gingerbread Girl. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. And this is based on. So The Witcher is a series of novels, I believe, yes. from Russia uh, or, or Eastern European. Eastern Europe. Yeah. And uh, and then there were some video games that were made of the novels as well. And this is based on all of that. It's kind of, uh, I'd say, a very traditional, um, like high fantasy, almost yeah. like. When you talk about like hard sci-fi, I would say this is, is like, like hard, hard fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. Um, so I've read uh, one of the books actually, but I've never played any of the games. Uh, so I felt like this was pretty good at getting the the Witcher's tone. He's basically the Witcher is a guy who runs around and deals with uh, supernatural creatures. You know, he carries a sword and he's a super good fighter and knows like kind of the secrets of magic and stuff. So if a weird vampire shows up, he'll know what kind of vampire it is and how to kill it. He's one of those specialist guys. Uh, but this opening scene is him uh, on his travels, running into a kind of homeless i don't want to say not homeless but like a a man of the wilderness who is living off off the land and uh they become friends and tell each other stories and he uh says that he has been haunted by his wife who has been killed and turned into a vampire and says after they become friends he's like but i'm ready to move on so they head off into a haunted forest like you do yeah they're like let's do adventures together yeah in this high (laughs) fantasy world and quickly get join my party yeah, they go into the Black Forest, which always sounds good, where there's all kinds of more monsters and traps and magic and cemeteries and monsters, and it's crazy. And that's pretty much it. Um, I felt like the tone of that was pretty good, so there's not much more to it than that. Um, 
so far. I wonder. Um, so it's kind of a coming hell, to Hellboyish having... with if you take out the natural the the not supernatural parts of Hellboy, it's very much in that kind of vein. I think the the big difference between Hellboy and this though is I think Hellboy has a lot of personality, and I feel like yeah. the Witcher is maybe a little too stoic. He's a tough dude. Yeah, and uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't say much, and I I feel like a lot of personality didn't come across. Yeah, in this. like so in, to in me, the books, was... he's very clever at outthinking things, and this you don't get much. You don't get any internal like monologue or dialogue from him so you don't know how he's doing stuff so yeah so i wonder if you were bringing that some of that yeah. with you to this because for me it was like i i had a hard time getting into it just because i yeah. was i i wasn't too terribly interested in what happened to any of the characters no there you go. um yeah, although i, kinda, I, I am gonna same. start calling um homeless people men of the forest calling Thanks. them witchers <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that is the witcher number one um yeah, yeah it's fantasy stuff speaking of fantasy we have another book called sovereign number one this is written by chris roberson who wrote i zombie and uh did he write all that um mi13 stuff no no that's paul cornell that's paul cornell. yeah uh but chris roberson wrote i zombie and this is drawn by paul mayberry who uh drew aqualung right yep. yeah and also has been drawing catalyst recently uh and sovereign is another fantasy book uh about what would you say Sovereign is about, Nick? Uh, well, it's three, <laughs> two it's, groups. It's three, three separate stories, stories yeah. that kind yeah. of uh, take place in the same world that I guess eventually will probably interconnect in and some way. And they connect a little bit already, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They have connections. Yeah. What's the first story about, Kevin? Um, Don't ask me. You, you, tell you explain me. the first one. I'll try to explain <laughs> I can, the, I can do the first one. Well, the first one is like about uh, this group of people. Uh, they're the Luminary, right? Yes. Um, and they, they seem like a more, like they're they're like a very elite group. Uh, in this sort of hierarchy that's set up in this world. And they come across this, um, uh, basically, like, a, it looks like there's been a mass killing yep. of these, um, what what do they call them? Lowlanders? Yeah, yeah, basically people not from their tribe or whatever. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so they come across them and uh, decide that they need to give them sort of a proper ritual and burial. And... Then some weird stuff happens. I don't know if I actually quite there, understood there, this ritual. In the, in the back, yeah. it explains that the Luminari are the defiled of Kiddish culture. Yeah. So, oh wow. So the I thing, totally the thing backwards. that's weird. They're uh, outcasts. They're kind of a. Uh, you but, guys, I was super confused. By no, no, this but comic. but they're but they're they are elites, but they are an outcast. Uh, so the thing that's interesting about each of these different storylines is they have a intro page where they have a weird quote uh, about from one of the people in this world, and then they go into a section. And then at the end of the book, they have like an almost little treatise on part of the cultures here. So now you figure out that the Luminari are either a practitioner who deals with zombies and stuff. Oh, or yeah, they, they, I did not read this right. in the back. They or they a dispose of the who's dead. a warrior. Yeah. Uh, but it's three pages. So this is like a pretty dense fantasy world building exercise. Would I have understood this comic more if I had read these three pages? Probably. Yes. Oh, I guess I should. But. Uh, then you've got the second story, which is Blade and Bow, which is about a kind of Mongol-like horse riders, horse tribe of a guy who's like a prince of a kind of Genghis Khan. They're the horse lords, right? Son. The horse lords. Yep. And then the third one is some basically European stand-ins who are traveling by boat to these foreign lands and meet a sea Pro- monster. Protecting this uh, lady. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and meet a sea monster. So, yeah, I guess I didn't quite understand how the third story connected to everything yet but it seems like basically what's happening is that i think they're traveling to meet the horse lord king because people are dying and becoming these sort of zombified things yeah because the the sea monster they fight is like an undead shark monster yeah so i felt a little in the dark in this but i guess i should have read this back thing a little bit more but yeah even with that like i felt like 
parts of this were very interesting. I wasn't quite sure I was sold on the whole thing, and the format threw me a little bit. Yeah, I think part of the problem is it's uh, you don't get to stick, see the characters, each 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 group of characters for that long. Um, yeah, because of that back thing, it's even shorter than a regular comic. So each set, yeah. and then you have these end pages. So basically, you have six pages pulled out of it. So each of these stories gets five or six pages. Right, yeah, and might so, be a little longer. Than um, that. So it's like a little, it's a little weird. Right, um, it's a little disjointed. But I, it's interesting though. I, I, I liked the no, world. The and first the... one's nine pages long. I think this might be a longer issue. No, because the second one. Second is one's five pages. Oh, long. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting world, and and the art is great. And the last one's seven. Yeah, so that's not bad. Paul Mayberry's art is is fantastic. It is. Yeah, the art's really fantastic. And I think maybe by the second issue, I'll uh, I I gotta read the back of this thing. Yeah, I guess. Well, but, uh... So I really like Mayberry's art on Aqua Leung or Lung, however you say it. The, uh, the thing I actually like I read the first few pages I went back to see the credits he colored this with uh, another person Jordan Gibson I felt like the colors were not a good choice for this I felt like his aqua lung stuff really popped it was this very vibrant purples and reds and greens right and this was surprisingly subdued in the color palette it's muted well and the first story takes place at night so right, that has something to do with it even as with well. that I felt like it could have been I don't know like with so many crazy things happening I felt like stuff kind of like blended into the background a little too much well certainly in the story where they're fighting the sea monster the art yeah. can get really confusing and muddy i felt like but uh yeah. but overall i thought the tone of it was interesting i'll definitely read another issue of it yeah by the way as far as second issues go uh miss marvel number two came out this week so good it was so it good was and fantastic and instant review awesome awesome and fuse number two was really really also good very well. good that, yeah. yeah uh all right up next we have um what are we doing next year? Nemo. Nemo. It's last, the, right? The Rose. Uh, nope. No, and then we've, we've got, got two one more, more things. Nemo, The Roses of Berlin by Alan Moore and uh, Kevin O'Neill. Uh, they do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and that's what this is. So this is a sequel to the first Nemo book, which is right because Captain Nemo's daughter or granddaughter. I can't remember. Daughter. Daughter. Uh, so this is later on in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen timeline, so it's much more modern times, roughly 40s, 50s. Because it's basically stand-in for a Nazi Germany in this world. Uh, so much so that there are huge sections of text where all the characters are German and are speaking German. Yeah, that was a little strange. So, uh, which perfectly fits, you know, for Alan Moore's writing style. But uh, if you want to follow the story, it takes a little bit of work. Oh, uh, were you, tr- like, tra- trying to translate this stuff? When I was looking <laughs> at it. I'm like, what are we supposed to pick up here? Like, the only thing I got on the first page was there's a, you know, Fuhrer Hitler character, but his name's different. So I'm like, all right, different timeline or whatever, because they're, you know. I grow weary of Alan Moore's tomfoolery. Yeah. So when I come to a page like that, I'm like, okay, I'll just skip it. Yeah. I'll look at the pictures, and then I'll skip it. That's kind of what I did. <laughs> um, but, yeah, basically. The, Na- the Nazis have these kind of, oh, ba- well, yeah, I'll tell the basic story first. I, there's a lot of stuff going on. So basically. Uh, the Nazis are running over parts of Europe as usual, and they have a giant city which is kind of run by supervillains, including a genius level guy who's very who's basically mechanized the city up in a cross with Metropolis. Doctor right. Mabuse. Yep, and uh, they find out that uh, the Captain Nemo, the daughter of the original Captain Nemo, her daughter and her her son-in-law have been uh, kidnapped by no. No, yeah. no, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, the oh. ship was d- destroyed. I thought I got the plot wrong. I'm shaking my head at, like, when you were talking about, like, a mashup with Metropolis. There are, like, set pieces and stuff that are taken straight out of Metropolis. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, Alan Moore drives me crazy with his... He's such a hypocrite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, everything he does is taken from someplace else, and then he complains so much when people use his characters. Yeah. Anyway, ju- anyway. Go anyway, go well, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, the kids are basically shot down over uh, pseudo-Nazi Germany and are taken prisoner, and so Captain Nemo's like, we're taking 
taking the Nautilus. We're going to attack Berlin. And they quickly find out it's a trap. And there's lots of killing and explosions and fight scenes and attempts at escape. Some showdowns. And that's basically it. There's a lot of drama. There's some... Uh some kind returning of characters, heartbreaking uh, death scene some, in some here. Some bad moments for some people. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I will say though, like uh, the the two Nemo books to me, the recent ones, I yeah. think they've had a little bit more of a return to the fun adventure stuff. That yeah, is what that made. It's what League yeah. should be. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I, I like this format, this shorter thing. It's uh, if you read the last Nemo, I think um, I don't know. Did you like this one as much? I liked no. I liked the Lovecrafty stuff in the last one. I thought yeah. it was pretty cool. I think I liked this one about as much. Right. Uh, it was fun. I liked the stuff in the last one, the kind of uh, the repeated scenes and sort of people There's going some very insane clever and bits. Stuff. Yeah, and I felt like some of that was missing. I felt, um, but I I did think this this was cool. And Kevin O'Neill's art is always great. Yeah, I felt um, like this had better character moments. Like Nick was hinting, yeah. there's some definite stuff that builds on a lot of the league history. That there's some good payoffs or. And I thought Bad the action chaos. in this was really good. Yeah, no, there's some really crazy cool. fight scenes and some showdowns and sword fights and all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, so it's cool. And yep. uh, if you're a fan of League, it's it's Boom. definitely a must read. Yep. I think all of League has actually been pretty good, besides like the 1969 one I wasn't a huge fan of. Black Dossier was a little rough. Yeah, Black Dossier was a little. <laughs> well, Black Dossier was a little bit of a middle finger to yeah, DC, right? That's true. <laughs> Filling out a contract. Um, yeah, I wanted to have like. 20 pages of story at the beginning or something like something. that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's Nemo, The Roses of Berlin. Mm-hmm. All right. So one last book this week. This is Daredevil number one, or also known as Daredevil number 37. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this is uh, this is actually a new number one, but it's by the same team that did Daredevil before, Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is moving Daredevil into a new city. So I, yep. feel, I feel like Daredevil's always been in Hell's Kitchen, right. but now he's in San Francisco. Yeah, and this uh, first issue deals with a lot of the troubles he'll have kind of living in this new city. Um, he's he's you know, like, why are these buildings so far apart? And, you know, he's like having trouble kind of jumping from rooftop to rooftop. And he doesn't know where things are. Yeah, he's always getting like he, slightly off distance as to which direction he right. should be heading. And he's like, I'm not in New York. I know where like the nearest hospital is, where this is and that is. He's like, yeah, I don't know anything here. So he's like... So uh, to make up for that, he's got um, oh god, what is her name? Karen. Uh, yeah, his uh, his his kind of girlfriend from New York. They they moved there with him. Um, speaking to him on like a headpiece, just telling him like you know where to Bluetooth go, and where things are and stuff. And um, this first issue is just him kind of trying to save this little girl who's been uh, kidnapped by this organization, and finding out that she has a bomb implanted inside her and how to deal with that and. Um, it's pretty interesting. I liked it a lot. It was the chase scene was cool. He was being chased by these guys who had basically the trigger to this explosive that was inside the girl. They were waiting for Daredevil to get to, you know, a populated area and he had to try to figure out a way to stop them from detonating the girl and it Yeah, was, it was cool. it was a really good way to sort of put a ticking clock and yep. and into what is also a setup for a bigger storyline because right. uh what what it will be about is like who these people are and why they're doing what they're doing. But uh I thought it I thought this comic did a really good job of telling a fun self-contained story while at the same time setting up some big stuff. It had a and, great hook at the end. Yeah, the end is crazy. <laughs> I did not yeah. even like it was insane. So, uh yeah, uh Wade and Sammy have done a really good job making this a, a lighter Daredevil yeah. book. Yeah, I feel like, and moving him to I think a sunny California city is pretty interesting. And it's well, a, and it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty accessible. Um, they, yeah. they kind of run down Daredevil's origin and stuff in the beginning. Yeah, this I, I felt was a good introductory issue, and I feel like the tone shifted a little even from the last series. I couldn't quite tell what the differences were. Um, it's a little more grounded, the, maybe. Yeah. The colors by are the a little of, brighter. Too. Yeah, and by the end of the last one, they were doing some crazy stuff with like monsters and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and even in the beginning of the last one, all that Mole Man stuff, that stuff yeah. was all crazy. This yeah. feels like a little more down to earth. Yeah. And just like a little breezy. It reminded me a little more of Hawkeye. Maybe that was a little breezier feel to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were some really funny bits. Um, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I thought it was really good as well. That twist in the end is very, like, you want to read more instantly. Yeah. yeah. This week was interesting. Not a lot of new titles coming out. Yep. But definitely uh, some good stuff coming out. Like we said, Miss Marvel and Views. Noah. Saga Volume 3. Oh, yeah. Saga Volume 3 came out. There's some good too. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is it for this episode of the Big Planet Comics Podcast. That's it. Whatever it's called. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and if, if, you, you know, if you're not subscribed already on iTunes, go uh, check out uh, that Box Brown interview we just finished up. Uh, we yep. talk a lot about wrestling. And comics. Yeah, but mostly about wrestling. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye.